Welcome to the Erasing Shame podcast. We are erasing shame about mental health by having honest talk for healthy living. We are so glad you can join us. My name is Andrew Min. I am Korean American. I was born and raised in Champaign, Illinois. I, uh, my father was there working and my mom was a school teacher. My dad was an engineer. Um, it's a really small town. It's not very, it was mostly like, you know, black and white people and there's a handful of Asians, but uh, yeah, I grew up, I have an older sister. She's about four and a half years older than me, five years older than me. And yeah, my parents got divorced when I was in fourth grade. And so that kind of changed everything up. But my parents had actually had an arranged marriage. And so even growing up, we could always kind of feel like something was wrong in the house. Not that arranged marriage is wrong, but that they were they were never in love. So we kind of felt that. So that's kind of like my background kind of growing up in that household. My parents, well, I didn't feel safe at home. I definitely didn't feel safe at home. I felt like I was walking on eggshells a lot of time. Um, for a long time, when I would think about my childhood, when I think about when I was a kid, I couldn't, I wouldn't remember all the details, but I just would have this vague sense of sadness. Like, okay, my home was unhappy. There, people were not happy. People's needs were not being met. And I think I could feel the weight of that. I didn't understand exactly, but it made me feel unsafe. So I think even um, early on when I saw my parents not having their needs met by each other, um, I was really sensitive to that. And when, when people aren't having their own needs met and they're feeling empty or distraught or distressed or going through their own mentalness, their own depression or their own anxiety, I... Um, felt like it actually made me feel like mine weren't important because my parents can't take care of me because they're going through their own stuff so I'm very sensitive to like are they happy are they okay as long as they're happy as long as they're going through their as long as they are smiling and happy then I'm they, they're going to be there for me but if they're going through something then everything's wrong definitely more in Asian American families because um since there's that more of a sense of, what, what do you call it? Like corporate identity of where who you are reflects on who I am. And rather than, as opposed to more individualized, like I feel connected to you and I want the best for you, but I'm me and you're you. But in an Asian American society, it's a lot more like, no, who you are reflects who I am. So if you do bad, I look bad. If you uh, do something that makes other people uncomfortable, they're looking at me and think I'm doing something wrong or failing or and so I think there's a different kind of pressure that comes in Asian American families that is a lot more painful or difficult I to be honest I don't know if I experienced that my parents never I feel like they didn't yeah so I started becoming more aware of what was going on in my family and the things that I experienced as a child when about a year ago, actually, I was doing some training. I was working with some foster youth and I was doing some training about uh, dealing with childhood trauma and behavioral disorders, stuff like that. And one of the things I had read were, well, I was talking about unhealthy child, you know, settings, environments and homes. And I was getting all these flashbacks of like, oh my gosh, I think I fit into these categories. And, but I always felt like we didn't. I always felt like everything was good. I felt like generally it wasn't that bad. I'm not coming from like an incredibly, like the kind of TV show, domestic violence type of stuff, but there was a lot of emotional neglect, a lot of emotional abuse, a lot of um, like unhappiness. I've been around even substance abuse and stuff, but 
there was something that triggered it for me. One thing where I read something that said, it wasn't even the main point, but it said a child, when he, a baby cries out and a parent responds, the child begins to learn that their voice matters. And so I was thinking about that and I got these flashbacks of when I was a kid and I, ha- I don't remember how old I was exactly, but it was some of the earliest memories I can remember. Like I was super young and I remember waking up in the middle of the night and hearing my mom crying in the other room on the phone. And I go and she's in the kitchen and I see and I'm in the shadow and the lights on in the kitchen. I hear her and she's on the phone and she's arguing with my dad and saying, Dad, or you're not being a good father. Your kids need you. Where are you? Why aren't you home? And I don't know what's going on, but I'm feeling this something's wrong. Something's not good. And I get really scared. And, and then she, you hear the other line go quiet. And then she just stops talking and she hangs up because he hung up on her. And she just breaks down on the floor, gets on her knees and starts weeping, right? Trying to be quiet because me and my sister are in the other room sleeping. And I remember getting so scared and not understanding what was going on, running to my room and just start crying out for my mom, saying, mom, mom, umma, umma, come, can you please? I didn't say anything, just, but what I was saying was, come comfort me, come, I don't know what's happening, come tell me everything's gonna be okay. And I'm crying and crying and she never shows up. And I spend maybe 30 minutes, an hour, crying out for my mom to come and she never comes. And then I get quiet and I'm a little bit confused. And then I hear my mom walk down the hallway and then I hear her door close and she's in the other room. And I remember just thinking that moment, there's something so wrong with my mom, she can't come to me. And that just burned in my mind. And I think even from that started beginning to realize like, or beginning to tell myself that my voice doesn't matter, that their needs are more important than my needs, that things are wrong. And unless people, other people are happy and okay, then everything's wrong. Yeah, so growing up, what would happen was um, dealing with that, with what happened with my mom, I started to feel that my needs were secondary and I needed to make sure everyone else was happy. And, uh, and what would happen was if they're happy, then I'm happy. And then more and more, it's just, a sense of if I can just make everyone else feel good, then everything will be at peace. It, it, and I, it was never a question of, but what are my needs? What do I need? And what do I need to be heard as well? It's just as long as you're good, I'm good. As long as there's no, no one rocks the boat, as long as there's no ripples in the water, then everyone's happy, everyone's good, um, then I'm going to be happy. I just, I won't get hurt. I won't be in danger or anything. But I think what started happening for me is that I got a little older and um, I was a youth pastor for about six years and there was a moment where I'm doing everything that I felt like made everyone else happy and um, people were not literally but they were applauding me you're doing such a great job we're so proud of you and look how far you've come look at all the great things you're doing and I feel like everyone is so happy for me and proud of me um, but I was just miserable and I was it was really ugly. I was working at this big Korean church and I felt like I had this reputation to uphold and I had this sense of um, respect from everybody and I had to keep continuing to prove myself and I started dealing with this intense performance anxiety, being unable to sleep, waking up in the middle of the night, like can't catch my breath and 
um, constantly telling myself, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. But I also felt like I can't fail the people around me. I have this image, I have, people are gonna be so upset with me, people are gonna be so disappointed in me. If I can't maintain this level of performance or this level of goodness and 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 but what happened was that I hit this breaking point where I woke up in the middle of the night one night and really early in the morning because I had to go open the doors early to the church for this one grandma who's going to come and pray at church and um, I just woke up sweating it was really hot and a mosquito was buzzing in my ear I'm just infuriated and so angry and so stressed out and so tired and so just done and what I did was I told myself I can't do this anymore I, I cannot I can't pray another prayer I can't lead another meeting I can't give another message I can't do any of these things I need to get away as soon as possible um, and I bought a one-way ticket to Korea so I bought a one-way ticket to Korea it's kind of a long story sorry but uh, bought a one-way ticket to Korea for two days later um, I didn't tell a single person I told my senior pastor, I'm sorry, I'm dealing with a family issue. I need to go to Korea. Um, and two days later, I packed up all my stuff, went to the airport and left. Didn't tell a single soul, didn't tell anybody because I was so terrified of disappointing everybody. So I'd rather just not face it. I'd rather just, I don't want to deal with the questions. I don't want to have to deal with explaining myself. I don't want to have to deal with um, showing people that even though they all thought I was doing such a good job, that in the inside I was... I felt like an imposter, or I felt like I was failing, or I felt like I had to prove myself, I had to maintain this image, and I just ran away. And so, so yeah, I, I think all this needing to prove myself and needing to live up to a certain expectation that I even placed on myself or to make everyone happy or to make everyone proud of me, it just drove me to a place where I kind of broke and where I kind of, I didn't kind of, where I really fell apart and I couldn't do it anymore. Correct. Well, one of the main things, um, trying to learn how to rebuild, uh, learning how to become healthy and dealing with my mental health and my anxiety and performance anxiety and uh, image issues, I realized that I only felt special. I only felt loved when I felt like I was special. And what I mean by special was exceptional and better than other people in a certain way. And only if I can stand out in that way, then I'm lovable or, you know, worthy to be loved. But I think all that falling apart, what it did for me was make me feel like now no one's going to love me. Now no one is going to Everyone's going to see that I'm not special, that I'm not some exceptional person. I'm actually very ordinary and I'm not very capable of as much as they all had hoped. And um, I was so afraid of facing that, that everyone's going to be so disappointed. But what happened was I came back and I remember I had this moment where, where I had got a bunch of people together and um, I was just telling them what I was going through and how... What, what led to that breaking moment and people were just looking at me and nodding their heads and, and I was telling them I realized I'm actually um, it's hard for me and that this is hard for me that I'm not naturally this or that and they just were looking at me and the way that they responded to me 
was showing me that they're not surprised that actually they already kind of saw me for who I am even though I thought that they only saw me as this great projected image they actually already saw me for who I was and they could still applaud me for my accomplishments without only seeing this projection that I thought that I was putting on that when I was finally feeling exposed to my weakness and my flaws and my inability and my limitations um, they weren't surprised they had already known about it and they had already embraced me for that and so it was kind of like really it was really I didn't feel like I just realized I could be I could struggle through those things and I could have that kind of that those that pain and that difficulty and that hardship and those questions and those doubts and that people aren't going to be freaked out yeah there definitely is a stigma a fear of showing weakness in the Asian American community and I think parts of it are rooted in again back into the corporate identity of your actions reflect on us but then what happens I think it's this this societal mutual understanding of this objective idea of what is good right? and it's all agreed upon and when you show up to the party everyone has to look that way um, and the more that we can live up to this standard it's almost a standard of perfection this this just ideal no flaws thing that every Asian American family wants to live up to and then they impose it on their kids you need to make me look this way and if you don't do that you're failing me and so I think it even kind of begins to seep into how we understand our image with God where we feel like if we're if we have weakness if we struggle then that means God is failing in some way we, we reflect poorly on him or we can make him look bad or we make him feel like he's doing a bad job it's like um, you don't want to tell your teacher that you're having a hard time in school because you make them look like a bad teacher. If you feel like you're having a hard time, you're not happy, then it makes your friends look like they're not doing, they're bad friends. It makes your friends look like they're, they're failing as someone who's supposed to support you and encourage you. Or it makes your parents feel like they're doing a bad job raising you. So all of a sudden, all of your actions become a reflection on everyone else's performance. And again, it's just like, because we become so other-centered and others-focused, that we're constantly thinking like all of my actions reflect on everybody else and so even for maybe just a part of it but even for me then an individual it's like okay if I'm failing then that means that I'm saying that you guys weren't good enough or I'm saying that God wasn't good enough or I'm saying my parents weren't good enough and so for me to admit my weakness is, is almost like an attack on my community which I don't think is true but we have this idea because it's been ingrained in Asian society where your actions reflect on your family or your community um, that we burden ourselves with that. In addition to that, I feel like also um, we have a fear of being selfish. I think in an Asian American community, we can have a fear of being selfish because, if, because it's so community oriented and we have to be considering everyone else's needs for you to express the fact that you have needs, that there's something that you feel a lack in is is so selfish and so we become afraid of expressing the fact that hey that I have needs I am struggling with something because it's for you to talk about yourself it's like oh it's so selfish like think about the community think about your family think about your friends and then I don't want to be a burden and being a burden is always gonna be considered a bad thing in Asian cultures because it makes it about you 
and not about the other people. You should be always the person helping. You should always be the person contributing to the family, to the community, to your friends. You shouldn't ever be the one taking because that makes you um, self-centered. But then so, we'll, so I think to express weakness, to express need, to express the fact that you're struggling with things, it can make you feel like you're being selfish, you're being self-centered, and you're not considering what everyone else is going through. And we can feel guilty about that too. Yeah, I think my journey of self-care of, has really been, it's been hard. But a lot of it is just learning to tap into my own needs. I, I realized actually, and I, sound, I feel like I sound crazy when I say this, I've become so unaware of my own needs that I, I don't know when I'm tired. I don't know when I'm hungry. I don't know when I'm thirsty. It's like, I, I don't feel it until it gets extreme. And I can just keep going and keep going and just realize I don't even know that I'm tired, right? And so a lot of it has been stopping and learning to just feel my own physical needs. And then learning how to even tap into my emotional needs. Okay, what do I need? What am I, what am I lacking right now? And learning to identify what the needs. Because sometimes I might even feel something, but not know what I'm looking for. I just will feel like something's wrong. And needing to stop and take time and, and, and ask myself those needs. So it's um, kind of rediscovering the voice of what is my body, my own soul, saying I need. And recognizing, even as a child, it's, I think of a child and how it's not wrong for a child to express need. It's how we were designed. You know, kids, it's when a kid expresses need, he's being a kid. He's, he's understanding that he is dependent. And I think as adults, we start thinking like um, to express need makes you childish or weak. But it actually is just touching on essential human things that we all need. Um, I also think too in that same self-care journey, in that self-care journey is realizing that when I'm able to express needs, I'm actually inviting people into a deeper relationship with me. And so I think a lot of what I've always wanted was like approval and closeness and for someone to say that I'm good and that I'm loved and that I'm acceptable and worthy, but um, do, trying to do it in a sense of where I'm going to make myself be that on my own and then you give me the stamp of approval and then you'll give me the love reward oriented but realizing actually intimacy and deep relationship meaningful connection comes out of mutual vulnerability which i think is about expressing need um, and when some when you can express your need to somebody you're allowing them to be there and sometimes actually people love that and when I started seeing that, when I start recognizing my needs, and there are actually people in my life who were so thankful to hear that. I never knew that you needed that. I would love to provide that for you. To, for you to feel weak around me and for you to know that you can express that to me and it's not a burden to me. But it, it's a, a way for me to express that I love you. And I'm, giving, I'm providing people that I love an opportunity to show that they love me. And it allows us to bond more deeply. And... So in a sense, me expressing my need is actually contributing to creating deeper community rather than moving me into being selfish or me being just needy or burdensome. But actually, us being able to meet one another's needs is allowing us to experience vulnerability and community with one another. One main thing that I'd want to say about mental health 
to the Asian American community at large is just that I think one of the most poisonous words that we have is just the word should or supposed, you know, supposed to be. I think we get so caught up on how things are supposed to be and we're trying so hard to make sure things look like how it's supposed to look or we're supposed to be how we should be that there's a disconnect because if we can't recognize where we are and recognize the gap, we can never make progress into into growth, into goodness. If we're just all faking it till we make it, then we're all putting on a show and we're all trying to pretend like, because maybe the the image of what it should be is true. Maybe what it's supposed to be is true. It's like, yeah, we should all feel like everything's good. We should be happy. We should be joyful. We should be thankful. We should we should be thriving and stuff like that. But if we're so caught up on how it should be and it's supposed to be to the point that we neglect when it's not, then we're never going to be able to move toward growth or toward health. And so I think giving ourselves grace of saying, hey, we aren't where we need to be. We aren't where it should be. It's, it's supposed to be this way, but let's recognize where we are and be okay with that. Because, Or else we're just going to be constantly trying to project an image, even not just individually, but communally. If we're like, I look at churches or communities and say, oh no, we're all good. We're all happy. We're, everything's perfect. We're meeting each other's needs. But if we can say that, we can all pat each other on the back and make ourselves feel like we're doing a good job. But at the end of the day, if individuals in private feel like it's not that way, then we're actually ruining ourselves and we're driving each other further from one another. But I think so. I think being willing to let go of how things are supposed to be or how things should be and beginning to have honest conversation about just how things are and where we are so that we can start moving towards something good. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Erasing Shame About Mental Health. Visit our website for all of our episodes at erasingshame.com. Please subscribe on iTunes or YouTube and like us on Facebook.